Welcome back to the Social Impact Level Up podcast. This is where we blur the lines between business, nonprofit, and impact. I'm your host, Wendy V, and I'm a social impact strategist here to help you build a successful and sustainable legacy of social change. In this week's episode, we're going to hear from a social entrepreneur who has been on a journey to change the world just like you. If you are interested in social entrepreneurship, this is the place for you. Let's jump right into this week's episode. Hey everyone, it's me, Wendy B, and I am here for another episode of the Social Impact Level Up podcast. Really excited today to bring one of my funny friends to you all. This is Jocelyn Abad, and we are here to talk about everything comedy and more. And the reason why I brought Jocelyn on was because she's transforming what comedy looks like, not only being a female, but also being a Filipina who I just learned is actually from the community next to me in Los Angeles. So I'm Whittier girl and you're Pico Rivera girl. So we are like, we are in the same neighborhood. Our hoods are like, we are from the same hood, which is amazing. No, it it makes sense because our personalities are so similar and bubbly and so cowgirl. And I just never thought to ask you where you're from before. It's so... I'm going to toss it to you to introduce yourself, but I just wanted to say welcome to the podcast and we're super excited to have you. Thank you so much, Wendy, for having me. Hi, what's up, everyone? Yes, I'm Jocelyn. I am a funny female Filipino comedian from Los Angeles. As far as I know, currently the only and one and first of my kind. Um, my story is I started doing stand-up sitting down on Clubhouse. Yes, social audio crack. Made popular during the pandemic. And yeah, I will be celebrating my two-year anniversary on March 25th, 2021. And the day I started doing comedy is the day I joined up for Clubhouse. So the two of them are synonymous. And so as much as people want to say that Clubhouse is dead, um, it's not. It's like, if you know, you know. And if you don't, you don't. And you should probably try to know. So I don't know. That's where I met with me. And it's been great. And yeah. And I so love excited. that. You you didn't do comedy before Clubhouse, but you were you were always funny. Yeah, like how how did you discover you were funny? Simple. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I do have a childhood story. So I don't know if it's because I'm being Filipino or growing up with older brothers, but I feel like Filipinos are kind of known to be like these wise cracking like jokesters or or something. And so there was a moment <laughs> when I was ten years old. I was in fifth grade, right, and I have ADHD. I'm neurodivergent. And as a child, I would say my thoughts out loud under my breath to myself and my, my classmates around me would overhear me and laugh. So I remember this one time we were outside, we were running around in circles for PE. And I don't even remember what I said, but I said something and my entire class just erupts in laughter. And my teacher is like, Jocelyn, that's not funny. And I stopped like, and she's like, that's hilarious. And I was like, Oh, and so like basically ever since then, I just, you know, I've always just been this loud mouth, just saying whatever I think out loud and people are laughing at it. And then ultimately that that's kind of like the stem of my comedy. So I've kind of known ever since I was a young age that like I have this ability to just make people, you know, laugh. And uh, my introduction, I say that um, I live in love to make people giggle by giving their funny bones a wiggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to rhyme like you did. <laughs> I am so not there. Maybe you missed your colleague as a rapper too. But I love it. Great up. No, and that's so funny too, because there's another club on Clubhouse called the Music Networking No Egos. 
And on there, you are given 30 seconds to introduce yourself. So I remember the first time ever, I was so nervous. I was like, I only have 30 seconds. And like, I'm ADHD, OCD. So I literally wrote down what I wanted to say, right? And sure enough, when it was my turn to go, I said my 30 seconds. And at the end of it, they were like, oh, Justin, bring in the red bars or bars. And I was like, wait, bars? Like chocolate? Like, what are you talking about? I was like, rap bars but yeah so i guess i guess i just write to like a certain like rhythm or beat or something but i don't know i love it yeah it's like it, i guess it is a skill <laughs> it is it is it's innate to you which is the beautiful part about it. so this podcast is all about social entrepreneurship people's journeys as okay. a social entrepreneur and how they're making change whatever that change is and you, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, are looking to make some serious change. I think the first time mm-hmm. you talked about it, I was so enthralled with your vision for what's possible for comedy and how you're going to break this like vicious cycle of male-dominated comedy. And I was like all into your mission. So I just want to give you space to talk about that mission and wow people with what you vision. Okay, sure. Yeah, awesome. No. So there is a program, it's called yesandlaughterlab.com, and they're all about comedy projects that address social issue and want to make a social impact. So for me, and so I probably should share that I'm my family's first generation born in the United States. Yay. Um, I say I'm kind of this proud recipient of some inherited ignorance from foreign born immigrant parents, but no shade, no shame, no blame for being raised poorly and poorly raised. Um, but with that, I've, uh, I'm challenging myself with the goal to be the first in my family to find success with this solar entrepreneurship, you know, be the first to start a business and build a brand that is just me being me, you know, fun and funny. And the project that I pitched was this national comedy tour called Laugh with Jocelyn from Clubhouse to your house. And recently I started doing social audio on Twitter. So like from Twitter spaces to your places. Where basically my goal is to perform in all 50 states of the United States within the 52 weeks of one year. And I think it's very doable. Some people think I'm crazy or it's overly ambitious. But hey, I want to know firsthand if America can really handle my humor or my comedy. And I plan on bringing with me, you know, underrepresented underrepresented voices in mainstream media. Uh, My friend Jeffrey Keller, who is uh, biracial. My friend Tia J, who's multiracial, bisexual. Um, Dana Keel is full African and she's heterosexual. My friend Tony, who's blind. And my friend Awan, who's um, Middle Eastern, you know. We are voices and faces you don't see very commonly, you know. And so most people tell you that you have to put in all these years of writing and working. But for me, it's like I've been talking about doing it for a couple of years, 2018, 2019. Then 2020 happened to all of us, right? And then sure enough, when 2021 came around and I had this opportunity to do a workshop online with the Laugh Factory Comedy Workshop, I just, I pulled the trigger. And honestly, it just, it ignited a fire in me. And um, recently I did an episode on a podcast called All in Motion. It's a a mental health podcast. And they asked me the same question you asked me. They're like, oh, so what's it like being female, you know, coming up in the comedy industry? And I'm like, What's it like being female growing in, up in America? You know, there's just so many males. You know, you don't know who's your friend. You don't know who's your foe. You don't know who really has your back, who's out to get you. Um, 
and I mean, I'll just share it. Like I've experienced sexual assault by a friend. So it's like, who can you really trust? You know? And so with, with that, it's like, you just have to proceed with caution. And it's so interesting how, how men want to say they respect women and want to hear their views, but they're so quick to shut them down and like try to stop them. And instead of letting one person who's going to tell me, no, I'm just going to keep showing up for the other hundred people who keep saying yes, you know? And realizing that as a kid, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I don't see anyone on TV that looks like me. That means it must not be meant for me. But then here I am, like in my adulthood, pursuing the same dream. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm, it's just going to have to be me then. And like the motor was in sync, it's going to be me, you know? Because I was like, I guess I'll be that person. And on a dating app, um, one of the prompts was, uh, what what would your friends say about you or like your group of people? And I thought of my volleyball team and to them, I'm kind of like this fearless leader where I'm like, fine, I'll be I'll be the first through the door or we do. We do Halloween haunts. And so I'll be the first one to go through it, you know, just like to, to make sure everything's fine. But yeah. And so one word that I keep hearing about myself is uh, resilience. And so as much as like. It's difficult. It's hard. It's not for everyone. It's like you just got to keep showing up and keep going after it and stuff and not letting anyone or anything get in your way. I love the resilience. We're definitely going to come back to that part because I want to ask you more about these faces that you said we don't see very often. And not only just in comedy, but in general, when you're talking mm -hmm. about, you know, people of yeah. color and people with disabilities, people with varying like neurodiversity we're increasingly seeing more people like you stepping out and saying, hi, I'm here and I'm not going to go anywhere. So you need to address that I'm here. But why do you think that is? Like, what is it about our society that we're not? We hadn't already had access to all these wonderful people, wonderful stories, wonderful brains. Like, why do we shy away from those types of people? Whatever, whatever diversity, you know, exists, we don't necessarily see it represented at the level that it exists at. Okay. Hold on to your bus. I'm going to go ahead and say it. All right, Randy, I'm going to go ahead and say the N-word. And that's narrative. Oh, shit. I was racing for it. I was like, yeah, right. Everyone's like, just like okay. right. And, 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 you know, my joke, I call it, I make another joke about narrative and Kool-Aid. You know, like, like, when people, like, we don't know who's making the Kool-Aid. We don't know who's stirring it. We don't know who's drinking it. We don't know who's serving it. You know, and ultimately it's like, um, I don't know. It's, it's just, I think it's historically what we're not used to doing, you know, and it's interesting being ADHD. Um, there is a part of the ADHD neurodivergent community who gets really offended when they hear people saying like, oh, well, we all have a little bit of ADHD, don't we? And they get really hurt by it, but they have to realize, and I get that. I, I'm really good about seeing both sides of the coin and it's like with that it's like some people are afraid to know the truth some people ignorance is bliss and they rather not know and stuff and i get that it takes a diagnosis or whatever to like really accept but then this is what i was talking about with you earlier it's like this so for me 2023 is all about shameless self-love and celebrating myself and being open and honest with myself about who i am and what i represent and not being scared or hindered or hiding. I think a lot of people live in fear of satisfying others and therefore they don't satisfy themselves. And then they're afraid to speak up, you know? Or like me, when I was a kid, it's like, I don't see that community. So wh wh where do I belong? And so 
So, but it's going to take some strong MFers to just be like, okay, fine. I'll start the chain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll be the first. And a lot of people are too afraid of getting, I, I don't know, for lack of a better word, just like taken out by it. You know, there are some strong voices like Tehran from um, Clubhouse, you know, he represents the Middle East very strongly and he has a strong background. So I just think historically, it's just never happened. And, you know, people are afraid of change, <laughs> you know? And so, and then people are somehow afraid to enact change, but it's going to be on us to do that. So. Well, I always wanted to be the Latina Oprah. And so as I, I started that. my podcast and started interviewing people, I was like, I'm a step closer to being the Latina Oprah. And then I was like, no, 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 no. I'm a step closer to being this actualized Wendy Veloso who I'm supposed to be. So yeah, I'm not leaving her. I was like, let's put it all into perspective here. And I think with, with underrepresented populations and underrepresented people, it's really easy to just stay in the shadows and not take that step out. I mean, it's almost easier in some ways to just be part of the masses, the faceless right. masses. And you know what you just reminded me of? So when I think about comedy, um, so my debut comedy bit is literally was a scribbled post-it note that I had just written down the first thing I thought that was funny that I've been saying and then just going off of it, just off the top of my head, the thoughts and the tangents and the rhyming and all that. Like, oh yeah, that sounds clever. That sounds fun. That sounds good. All right, three minutes. Cool. We're good. So I went up there and I did my thing, you know, and people were laughing. They enjoyed my energy and my delivery, you know, my critiques were um, to focus more. And I'm thinking like, yeah, dude, I just threw this together like right before. Of course I need to focus. Like, ugh. and then... The one when then and then ultimately I got asked, like, where are the jokes? And to my immediate thought, I didn't say it at the time because I didn't want to be rude, but was when I say something and people laugh. And then I realized up until this point, you know, comedy has very much well been cooked by a specific kind of recipe. So for the players in charge, in charge are the ones, you know, writing the checks or what, owning the clubs or booking the people, for them, there's a specific kind of comedy that they're looking for or want or expectation. And I kind of just break that. I kind of just like, okay, that's what you expect, that's what you want. I can give you that or I can just give you me. And you know what I mean? So it just depends on which lane you want to travel in, you know? And so uh, there's two people that I would love to talk about. The first is Judy Carter. She is world famous for writing the comedy Bible. And with her, that's kind of recipe that people are expecting. The second is Steve North. He wrote a book called How to Kill in Comedy. And it's about um, coming up with your comedic character, right? And the first thing he talks about is you have to have a flaw, right? You have to have something wrong with you. And that's what you address. And I realized my flaw is like, I have an identity crisis. I really do. And that's, that, that, ta that taps into your question of like, why aren't we used to seeing like certain people or like marginalized people um, coming out? And it's, it's almost because like, it's really hard. I don't even know who I am where it's like, so my joke is, I always, just, this always happens. Whenever I do interviews, I end up finding myself like, oh my God, you're gonna end up saying your joke. So I'm Filipino, right? And Filipinos are known as the Mexicans of the Asians. So that makes me brown. I was born and raised in the United States. That makes me white. And apparently Asians are considered yellow like the sun. So that's how I get like this natural tan. You know what I mean? 
and it's like, and then it's like, according to United States Human Resources, Filipinos are considered Asians, of course. So on paper, I'm all Asian, right? And then on screen, ethnically ambiguous, I guess. Like, who doesn't love a brown mystery? And on the street, I'm considered Black adjacent, meaning there are people who have told me, they're like, they're like, girl, I've been Black my entire life, and I thought you were Black. And it's like, thank you, I'm honored, but no, my A is for Asian, not African, I guess, you know? And so with that, it's like, how am I supposed to show up for a people that I don't even know I can, like, accurately represent, you know? And that's that's the trouble. Laughing so hard because I like there's so truth in the ethnic ambiguity. Ambiguity. I get Latina if they're if someone's Latina, a Latino, they know that I'm a Latina, right? Like they instantly will just start speaking Spanish yeah. to me, and they're like, no, 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 you can't pass for anything else. Blah blah. blah. And that's I've so- also had plenty of white people think that I'm white. Plenty of um, right. Persian people think I'm Persian. Ooh, I've gone to Italy. Yeah, I've gone to Italy and had Italians speak Italian to me so I could translate it to my friends that they thought I brought with me to tour. And then um, I've had white people, I guess, and like, well, the various types of white think that I'm just like, um, they, they don't actually ask directly. I, think I get like these weird asks, like, where does your last name come from? Right. So it's always this like confusion about what I actually am. But the most common one when I'm in like the Los Angeles area is people think I'm Filipino. Really? And- yeah, and I get it all. I mean, I would get it from Filipino people like you're you're not one of us, and I'm like, no, I'm Mexican. And they're oh, but you're like our cousin because the colonizers and the things, and that makes sense. Your last name has a Z. Okay, cool. And then they like check in that I'm like part of that. <laughs> I know, funny, but I did live with a Filipino roommate, so I know about Lumpia. I know about Balut. Like I know about the Jap. <laughs> I think I'm all. Girl. I I might as well be part ethnically Filipino, but <laughs> by proxy, right? Yeah, yeah, by by association of of food. Uh, but I think it's it's really interesting. That's a good point. <laughs> so my thing is also like, so I don't know if it's because my parents saw my potential as a child or they just kept me busy to keep me out of trouble. But from the ages of five to 10, I know, right? They had me acting and singing, modeling, dancing, ballet, jazz, tap, acrobats, musical theater, the whole nine yards, the whole nine yards. But honestly, for, again, being born immigrant parents, they kind of failed at being stage parents. You know, they didn't really know you know, and and for me already, I'm already like, oh my God, I'm different. Like, you know, I don't look like anyone else looks like me. Like, so I lacked that confidence you need at that young age to really like excel, you know? And so um, it was tough. So it's like, and even when I, every time I thought about going back into it, into the entertainment industry, I'm like, if they're casting for an Asian character and I show up, they're going to think I'm lost. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, and then it's like, and then, and then if I want to go for like maybe a black or African character, I, I, again, I just didn't want to play into those stereotypes. I think, cause in my head, I'm thinking there's enough black women for the black roles. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so, so then that just, and then, okay, so you're Filipino, Joss. There aren't any Filipino roles. Oh, you know what I mean? So it's like, dang. So, I'm going to have like him. generic woman of of right. certain stature because I just hey, small cool. woman. Okay, cool. I got that. <laughs> but honestly, girl, I'm not going to lie. I killed that 18 to look younger category, apparently. Um, but so Joe Coy, I love Joe Coy. I don't care who hates him for whatever reason. Haters are going to hate. Be Beyonce, turn that hair into lemonade. But I love Joe Coy because 
he is literally paving the way for future Filipinos in mainstream entertainment media. You know, I don't know any other Filipinos other than him and me. But you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, we don't see the people out there because maybe they're like me when I was 10 and little and be like, oh, there's no one. So it's not meant for me. It's like, no, let's change the N-word narrative. You know, let's let's stir something else into the Kool-Aid and let people know. Uh, especially with the whole Oscars thing, I feel like there's there's that whole like controversy or something. I don't know. But you know what I mean? So it's just like it's 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 being brave enough and courageous enough to enact the change, you know? And I think growing up in LA, we probably saw that more than others in yeah. other parts of the world because mm-hmm. Hollywood being there and there being yeah. so many actors, actresses, yeah. child actors, people that you knew who became yeah. actors, but then they end up, you know, doing stuff in Hollywood or commercials yeah. or whatever. And you almost have more exposure to it, I think, in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and other places. So yeah. you're you're cognizant of the fact that there's no one on the news, no one on any of the other places that look like you. I think when Sofia Vergara came out big, I was like, Right. right. We got that. Yes. Y'all, it, now uh-huh. she's making her into a sex symbol, though. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, why can't she just be exploited for her talent? <laughs> I heard that, like, she like she was in Soul Plane. Did you ever see Soul Plane? Oh, my God. Hilarious. And I heard she didn't really, like, was, wasn't really happy with that because of how they, yeah, how they just, you know, the whole S word, stereotype. You know, how much are you going to play to a stereotype? How much are we trying to change the stereotype? Or, you know what I mean? Or, like, so it's, so yeah, it's just, it's going to be an interesting new world uh, coming up. And especially since all of us have this combined experience of the pandemic of 2020, we all have, everyone felt it around the world, you know? And so we all have that experience to kind of bring us together. And I kind of talk about that a lot with people. And so in terms of social entrepreneurship, I got to talk about social currency, I guess, right? And so... In terms of social currency, I've been busting my butt the last two years uh, doing comedy, getting out there on social media. I'm kind of a social media savage. Anytime someone says a new platform is launching, I immediately sign up. I don't care where it's going. If it goes nowhere, underground, in the ocean, it doesn't matter because I just want to get a handle on that handle, you know? And you never know when the next big thing is going to be or or, or who or who's going to be on it. And honestly, like early adopters, it's a, it's never a bad thing to be an early adopter to get in early, you know? So, oh, and so my humble brag is that I recently did the math and I guess across all my social media platforms, I have a combined following of 24,000 people. And that's in just less than two years of hustling. So I'm really happy about that. I didn't realize that. And again, shameless self-love. I'm going to celebrate myself for putting in the work and being able to see the fruits of my labor. Yes. And that's part of the resilience, right? Like the continuing to show up to take inspired action all the time as we talk about on this podcast. And to have the ability to continue to level up over the course of the time as you're refining yourself. And so I want to ask, I know we mentioned resilience earlier, but what was the biggest challenge that you feel like in those two years that you've been stepping out and showing your face on this? Can you describe a moment or an experience or a story that was challenging for you and how you overcame it? So doing comedy, the biggest challenge is so there, okay, so I started doing stand-up in March, the now on Clubhouse, right? March, April, May, two months in on Clubhouse, someone in the Laugh Factory Comedy Workshop, you know, a moderator, and a moderator is like, you know, like an HBIC or just someone who's respected or whose opinion, quote unquote, matters, right? And someone told me after hearing me 
do a set that maybe I should stop doing stand-up. Maybe I should just try being a vlogger or something, you know? And they tell you all the time you need tough skin, right? I'm not going to lie. I cried. I started crying on Clubhouse. And like, oh, you're crying now? You need to have tough skin. I'm like, I have tough skin. But guess what? I'm also a human being. So if you say something that hurts my feelings, I'm going to react to it. There's nothing, there's no controlling that, you know? And there was a number of people. And, it, and in those situations, it's kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand, I'm getting attacked and I'm being broken down. But then on the other hand, I got so many DMs from people being like, F that, who is anyone to say, who is anyone to tell anyone to stop pursuing their dream? This is your journey, da 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 So it's like, it's almost like, that yin and yang, that balance, you know? And so that was really, um, and immediately I was like, I wasn't going to quit, but I was like, okay, Joss, maybe take a break, you know, maybe take a step back. But then all, almost in the same breath, I was like, no, F that, you know? And so I basically, I basically took the set that they were so unhappy with, reworked it, came back literally within the next 24 to 48 hours, re-delivered it and got the note that that was the best set they'd ever heard me do before. So there's that. You know, and a year later, I'll say, like I said, this last six months, I've been on Twitter spaces doing the same thing. And I exclusively do this five minute earmuffs, uh, a pick joke set on Twitter spaces because girl, the NFT blockchain, crypto, DeFi, DGN, WebP community, it is one ginormous, like hot dog fest. I'll say that much. So so that's why I went with this joke, you know, because this joke, it's 50-50. Guys are 50-50. They either love it, they get hilarious, or they hate it. So I remember Amy Schumer, blah, blah, blah. You know, and again, I had the same moment where some guy uh, made a point to tell me that you're not funny. That wasn't funny. I didn't think that was funny. Compare me to Amy Schumer. Really kind of just like, not trying to break me down, but you know what you're doing when you do that, you know? And so... It made me upset. I didn't say anything. And then I went to another space with like other people who think I'm funny, right? I told them what happened and they were like, who is it? Get him in here. We'll cancel them. We got you, you know? And so it's such a weird, like, you know what I'm saying? So if I didn't have that, like, someone trying to break me down moment, I wouldn't see who's like really there and has my back. So that's, that's, it's, it can, so it can be challenging to be met with those no people or those naysayers because it's easy to just quit and give up. But then if you just, you know, have the courage to just, you know, push through it, you're going to find the uh, the people who are actually there to help you support. And that is like, oh, it's like the best feeling in the world, you know? And then you realize you're not alone. And so, so. And also, if people are listening to this as a podcast, they missed the video of me just like falling out laughing when you're talking. <laughs> and they're watching the video. They're like, this is the episode where Wendy just like peed in her pants laughing. <laughs> But I knew this was going to happen to me talking to you. So I was prepared. I went to the restroom before I sat down. But I think um, the uh, the opportunity for people of color to show up in the way that they want to and not be attacked in public mm -hmm. spaces, it's always such a fear of mine because oh, yeah. I feel like the attack is like lingering. We're ready to the minority. We're ready to the minority, right? So it's like- But then you're like breaking me down for being like even trying- right? And I, and I agree, like, you know, I think with um, business, particularly the male mm -hmm. dominance and the white male dominance definitely mm -hmm. exists. And I've even felt that level of oppression slash suppression and yeah. judgment and all of those other things and coming and saying what I'm doing. And I'm like, y'all, I'm helping people help people. 
I am like creating an impact by helping other people create an impact. And you're going to sit here and tear me down. Like, what kind of a person are you? <laughs> what like, what is that? your agenda? What's the motive here? What's the goal? Like, Bob Sumner says it, and he, if you, for those who don't know, Bob Sumner is the co-creator of Deaf Comedy Jam. He's the current executive producer of Laugh Mobs, which is more Bob's best. And he says it all the time. He reminds me all the time. There is a seat for everyone at the table. You know what I mean? If anything, and I think that's a big challenge too. A big challenge is to realize you're only in competition with yourself. There's no need to compare yourself to other people. We're all on our journey ourselves and we're all going to come at it differently or do it differently, you know, and that's okay. We all, you know, I understand the need for a certain amount of assimilation. So just so we all are at an understanding, but at the end of the day, like, if you really want to make an impact, if you want to make change, you got to be willing to be different. And that can be very challenging for some to like go against the grain. And I accepted very quickly a long time ago that I want to be different. Um, uh, when people ask me, you know, what's one of my strengths, it's like, uh, I know my resilience. So I'll be the first if something goes wrong or if like something's not right, I'll be the first to take the blame. I tell them, like, that's cool. I got it. I'll take the bullet. I'll take the heat. Shots fired. Yay. You know, because again, I realize I've been through so much. Like, like I've been through so much that at this point in my adult life, I realize like, like nothing's going to stop me. You know, nothing's like I will survive whatever shots you take, whatever, however hard you want to bring me down. Most recently, there's a guy on Twitter, crypto NFT. His name's Bark Meta. And he, I guess, is super popular. I didn't know who he was. He had an interesting talk title for a space. It says, can you do drugs and be successful? And I was like, interesting. So anytime I go into like a Twitter space or even a clubhouse room, I don't really care how many people are in the audience. It could be like 10. It could be 100. I don't really care. But if it's an interesting topic and I feel like I can meaningfully contribute as a female, you know, as a Filipino or whatever, as me, I guess, I'll just say me <laughs> to represent, I'll raise my hand, I'll request this. And hey, if they let me up, they let me up, you know? And he let me up. And I guess he's known not to let people talk very much. But apparently, I was, I talked a lot. And I'm obviously, because like, I just have a lot to say. And people know me to be like, make communic commentary. And so he goes live on Twitter space, which is audio only. But then I guess he had a, he has a live video stream now on kick, kick.com. When I went, when I found out, I was like, oh, let me go look, let me like watch the video. And I watched the video and all of a sudden in his chat box, I'm like getting a 10 by people. I don't even know. I know. They're like, who is this girl? Get rid of her. She's so dumb. What does she think? Well, is she thirsty? And I'm just like, wow. Okay. You know what I mean? And then I feel like a normal person, oh, I feel like that would just destroy them, you know? But again, me being me, I'm just like, Bring it on, haters. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm like, they hate us because they ain't us is a fact. That's the, that's the truth. Okay. And ultimately, too, it's like hurt. I understand that hurt people hurt people. So it's like, okay, go ahead. Come at me. Like, I'll take your bullets. I'll take your pain. I'll take your hurt. And then it's weird, though, because it's like, it's like they almost do that because they want me to attack them back. It's so weird. And I'm just like, it's okay. If you want to be the negative me one in this situation, you go ahead. I'm just going to like keep killing it with kindness, you know? <laughs> like, 
I'm going to take the high road. And, and I, and it's so interesting to me because this happens a lot. And I, and I love that you were like, I don't, it, it, it's going to roll right off of me, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm so resilient that I've already experienced something like this before and it's not right. going to affect me. And I know how to deal with my mental space in order mm-hmm. to keep moving forward. And I think yeah. that, that mindset piece is so important. So how do you maintain just a, a mindset that you can sh- keep showing up to do comedy and make people laugh? No, like, how does that work for you as a person to be able to keep showing up? God knows. But <laughs> ultimately, I think it's growing up with two older brothers. I think they very much, you know, help me be the strong female, you know, get coming at you person. And then it's just, it's so hard because I do get pushed to the point where I just break, you know, and it, and it, and then that's fine. And then, cause it's like those breaking points are human moments and I love them. And my whole thing too, is that I love awkward moments. I love awkward situations. I really do. You know, like I kind of just lean into it. I'm like, okay, sure. Let's, let's see where this goes. Because ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, it, that's a real character building moment. You know, when you put yourself out of the comfort zone, when you challenge yourself, that's where you're going to grow. So if you're someone who wants to grow, who wants to expand, who wants to learn more about yourself, you're going to have to put yourself in those situations. And honestly, my strong mental mindset is just, it's, it's been a lifetime coming at this point. You know, I'm not going to, no one's perfect. Lots of highs, lots of lows. But I think ultimately at this point in time, I'm not afraid to be honest anymore. I'm not afraid to be honest with myself. I'm not afraid to be honest with other people. You know, um, I I used to be very, very quiet growing up. I was like that Coke bottle. Like I didn't share with anybody. I kept it all inside. And then eventually something would say something. And then I would just, ex- yes, I would explode on people, you know, and they realize that that's not right. And then at some point, junior year in high school, I had the fortune of going to a private school in Pasadena. And it's very small, tight knit. And then within that group, like I opened up finally, I cracked the shell. I cracked, I, I, I did a, I made a crack in the wall and I tore it down and I just, I put myself out there and, you know, and from that moment on, I just became like this open book, this open bleeding heart, you know, and just like, again, cause for me with foreign born immigrant parents, mental health at our house didn't go beyond my dad telling me I'd rather to not wake the dragon. Cause my mom, our mom was like in a good mood, you know, it's like. You know, they like, don't just turn the dragon. That's so weird, but, but I can see how that would work. You know, like, don't wake the dragon, you know, or like, don't, whatever. Like, don't disturb the peace kind of deal. But there was no addressing it, you know? And it's like, and then, and then it's like, now as an adult, I realize that, you know, I have some childhood traumas, you know? You, I, my parents forgot about me one time, you know? And yeah, I didn't realize, and up until like a month ago, I didn't think it was a big deal. Uh, my friends with me, but there'd be no way. But um, I didn't think it was a big deal. But yeah, I they no one came to pick me up after basketball practice. I had to like get the janitor to open up the like hallway to use a payphone to call my parent. The house collect. I call the house. My mom picks up and I'm like, "Hi, mom. Is someone gonna pick me up?" And she's like, "You're not. Who's this? Jocelyn, your daughter?" She's like, "You're not home. Not here." I was like, "No, I'm at school." She's like, "Oh." I thought you were home. Okay, I'll get I'll get your brother for you. Bye. Click. Hangs up. Okay, I guess I'll just no concern for my yeah no concern for the welfare of my child. Somehow missing. And so that happened in fifth grade at the age of ten. 
And the thing about it's like that memory, the details of that memory have stuck with me to this day. And to this day, I'm like, it's still with me. And I'm like, and I feel like I've been fine. But recently someone told me like, no, Jocelyn, that is a sign of like, that's neglect. That's, that's, that's a traumatic moment. Like, you know, your parents forgot about you. There was no accountability that, that has tremendous effect on you, you know? And so I'm just like, whoa, you know? So again, it's just people willing to share their stories. You know, part of my mantras for comedy is cope with comedy, heal with humor. And in this last couple of years, I've learned this new one where it's like healing through hearing, healing through hearing you share your story, healing through hearing other people share their stories, realizing you're not alone. We all have a lot more in common than we think. And that's going to bring us together. And then for me, part of my my comedy, my pitch for that comedy project, this national tour, you know, Laugh with Jocelyn, it's just to let people know that, you know, being human is hard and we're all human here. And we're all just trying to like, you know, get through the day. And, you know, laughter is really a universal language. Let's see if you guys speak my language. I love that you brought the word healing up because that was what I kept hearing in my head to to ask you is like, it sounds like you've done some healing work through this whole journey in order to show up for other people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. And it's all the, it, it all comes under the same line, just not being afraid to speak up, not being afraid to raise your hand, not being afraid to get on stage, not getting afraid to say a word, you know, because it's, I think everyone knows public speaking is like the number one fear thing of all humans, right? We all like know this and hear this. And it's kind of funny how like in college, they make you take it. <laughs> they make everyone take it. You know, they want you to face your fears. And so because of that, I think that is a fear that a lot of people will just let them like let it take over and i think that's answers your question of like why we don't see a lot of people coming out and showing up for the minorities you know like you said they'd rather play it safe and not necessarily live in fear but just like be like you know it's okay so we'll see now i had so my most unfunny moment of my whole life was when i was doing a presentation in eighth grade about suicide and mm-hmm. i had no experience yes. public speaking it was the very first time i'd been speaking And I was so nervous that I took the poster I had made about suicide, which people know this is like a heavy topic, right? And I put it over my head and just proceeded to laugh for like five minutes. I couldn't actually do, I was so paralyzed. And eventually I got over that. But how do you like not get paralyzed when you're speaking in front of an audience and you're performing? (laughs) So in the very beginning, um, I've 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 been playing around with like introductions, how I start and, you know, one of my early starts, I used to thank people for being there and basically enabling my need for this adult t- attention-seeking behavior. You know, we're, we just love open public mockery now, don't we? You know, and again, kind of just like uh, the icebreakers is what they call them. Kind of just like breaking that ice, you know, like, I know I'm here to make you laugh, but I might not, you know. So yeah, I think um, that's, that's just years of me being a clown years of me being like um you know willing to just be out there be heard be laughed at be yelled at be be like um what's the word disciplined you know I just I've always leaned into this extrovertness and I say that I'm the extrovert that introverts hate but want to like be friends with you know what I mean because I'm because I'm like I, like I'll be like I said like I'll be the first one that's I'm like the introvert like Look. And the extroverts are like, oh, we hate her so much attention, but we're just going to follow her. I'm like, come on, introverts. Like, you know, you can follow my shadow. Let's go. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I get it. I understand. Like, 
I think that's another strong point of mine. It's like, I, I'm, and I don't know, but I'm literally, and I'll say probably like, I'm probably the most non-judgmental person anyone could ever meet. I am probably one of the most open and honest and encouraging. And again, I, I can, I'm very good at seeing both sides of the story. I can see why some people might not think my jokes are funny and how some might think they are, but I just, I'm just not, a. I think I've been made fun of so much and laughed at so much in very hard, cruel ways that like it it's like water like you know like it's just easy to just take people's reactions to me and just like again just water for ducks back so yeah no that's that's a really great statement like just being able to lead all the introverts <laughs> it's like again that, oh, I'm that annoying extrovert that annoys the introvert I, you're like we'll 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 also follow her, her. <laughs> that's the friend She's my number one fan, so I'm happy she's here. Oh, awesome. I love the support. And I think for me, it's the same way. That's why I plan events, right? Because I'm always hurting people and I'm I'm the extrovert that doesn't mind being like, hi, I'm the greeter here at my events. Super connector. We like beat. We're networkers. We're community builders. And because of that, we understand that like not everyone's going to vibe with the tribe, but then we all want to have a common goal. And so like that willingness to like work with other people that don't mesh with you and to try to bring people together. I think that's, I think that's what helps with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I've been creating this little podcast and the collective and all the things that go along with it, all of our guests and all the people that are in our collective, because I'm like hurting folks into like, let's all explore social entrepreneurship because there's a better way to do this. right? (laughs) Like, and if we have all these diverse voices and we have all these diverse people with all these different talents, we shouldn't let them just get like washed into the background. We need to be like Absolutely. elevating and lifting and doing all this collective impact stuff. And that's why we've created this platform. It's so funny because I'm just like, I'm looking into trademarking and like starting a business and like you think of like brands and it's like I all the, and like you, you heard me earlier with rhyming and I love alliteration. Alliteration is like my favorite thing to do. So it's like power of the people, you know, this whole mob mentality, but not so much like mean, you know? And it's like, and I, I truly firmly believe that like teamwork makes the dream work, you know, and, I, and I've worked in like not corporate settings, but just like hierarchy settings. And usually the person at the top is by themselves. They're lonely and they're like, so it's like, mm, you know, and it's like, I don't think anyone wants to be that lonely at the top, you know, that I don't know. But then again, I don't know, because I'm a minority. So we'll see when I get there, I guess. <laughs> Right. I can't say that I want to say ever been at the pinnacle of anything. So I, I think I've been, again, the <laughs> middle, man, middle management and lower, right? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know what the, I, this is the first time I've been a CEO and it is pretty lonely around here. So I'm not the best Like I'm, I'm a solo printer and I'm also my janitor. So we're good. <laughs> all the rules, all the way. I, all, all the things that I'm happy to show up for all those things, right? Because at least I'm not underneath somebody. <laughs> that is the point. So a couple last questions. Uh, one, I wanted to hear from you, like in your big vision for what do you see in your future? Like thinking forward to where you want to go. What does that look like for you when you say like, this is how I'm I'm transforming comedy or this is what I'm here to do? You're so crazy because like, God, the world works in mysterious life. Um, <laughs> I'm such a clown. But no, so um, there's an organization, they're called Women in Cloud. Uh, last month, they had a, they attempted to make a World Guinness record for vision boards submitted online virtually. I don't know. 
So with that, I created my vision board. You can't see it. My vision board. My background. Maybe I'll get rid of my background. But um, you have to have images. And then you have to have like a statement. And you have to have it handwritten. Um, there you go. I'll just go and do that. Um, so this is my vision board. Right? And then the images at the bottom are money going to a hand, a stand-up set, a laptop, a pen and paper, a heart, a book, a TV set, a film camera, and a globe or a globe with a with a uh, airplane and basically so you ask and i shall share so you have to write in hand and so i wrote in hand i pledge to make this vision a reality and it says dear universe in the immortal words of the doors the time to hesitate is through i have a story worth writing and sharing my comedy origin story how i started doing stand-up sitting down audit social audio only on clubhouse and my first generation fema filipino from los angeles california growing up story Inherited ignorance, no shade, no shame, no blame, how I was raised poorly and poorly raised in the United States. American dream for my foreign-born immigrant parents did not go beyond refuge, family, house, home. My American dream is not better. It is bigger and brighter. I was born to create and elevate. I'm here to connect and collaborate. I'm excited to entertain and educate. I will always follow my dreams and actively pursue all my passions wholeheartedly. I will be the first in my family to find success with solo entrepreneurship. I am limitless. I want to get paid to perform live comedy, be a stand-up comedian, launch an online business, sell merchandise and digital products, write scripts, publish a book, produce a feature film and episodic, find a life partner, be loved, travel the world. I will be healthy and happy with love, funny Jocelyn. So that's like basically my big picture. And for me, it's like, I just, I just see myself creating a platform for people to share their voices too as well. You know, a lot of people hear my story and they think it's pretty inspiring. Because again, I kind of just go in with this fearless F it attitude um, online. So after after that um, live with that guy, Bark Meta on kick.com, I changed my name on the platform from Funny Jocelyn to Team DGAF. <laughs> just to be like, you know what I mean? Like, because you have to be that way. Um, because yeah, haters are gonna hate and that's okay. And so yeah, I definitely see myself becoming um a pretty I, I don't wanna say famous because I don't I don't I'm not really after the fame. I'm just after being successful at doing what I love. And that's just entertaining people, making them laugh. And by sex, sex, I mean just, you know, making enough money to afford my living and to help others. I you do you know who P. Cohen is? Cohen is? No. Who's that? Wait, Pete Cohen is a public speaker uh, mentor, and I love him. I work with him on Clubhouse, and he talks about your future self, right? What does this person look like? What do you call them? What's their name, you know, in terms of one, uh, health and fitness. Mine is the active athlete. Um, in love and romance, I'm the hopeful romantic. And then in terms of uh, wealth and finance, I'm the disposable income distributor. Basically, yeah. I make enough money to support myself and my living and to support and share with others. And that's where I want to be. And that's where my goal. And that's where I see myself in the future. And that's why you're a social entrepreneur, because your goal is not just to keep all that wealth to yourself, but to no. really spread it around to other people and help them with their journey. Yeah. And, um, and and I know you we talked a little bit before this about love, but you just reminded me when you're talking about, you know, the partner you deserve. You're such a big vessel. And you definitely need the right partner to I support do. you in your journey. And I just think that's such a beautiful reminder for a lot of us who are women who are stepping out on our own, 
who are being the biggest, boldest version of ourselves to expect that there is another person who will appreciate that vessel and not try to support or hinder it. Yeah. Guy, oh my God. I, so again, you can look up your birthday cards. Basically, the day that you were born reflects certain uh, cards in the, in the 50 play card deck. When people look at my birthday, um, I guess I'm like a like a, a king of clubs and like a, or, or eight of spades or so. I have it written down somewhere. But basically, when they read it, like, oh yeah, you have a strong like alpha male kind of energy. And I was like, oh my god, I get told by the guy that all the time. Like, I'm just too, I'm too alpha, and they want to be the alpha. And I'm like, okay, well then be the alpha. I don't know. I'm a hundred percent switch. We go back and forth. Like, hey, you know, you know, like I'll work with you. But so here's the thing. Um, yes, I definitely need someone who's going to support me because I can like, just thinking about my most recent dating experiences, like I cannot be with someone who's going to be jealous or insecure. You know, I'm not going to, I can't be with someone who's going to be, who's going to be offended by me networking. And, you know, as women, it's inherent. We have to flirt. Guys do it too. But for some reason, women get easily, like we're first to get persecuted for doing that, you know? And it's like, what? Like, we're systemically brainwashed to be accommodating, to be like flattering to people, to give people like, you know, space or whatever. And, and you're going to attack that? No. And, and this is another thing, like moving, moving forward in terms of looking for a life partner. It's like, I wasted, I realized I wasted a lot of time being with someone trying to convince them otherwise. Most specifically, I was dated a guy who said I was argumentative and I'm like, I'm not argumentative. Like what? Like, okay, well, let me just like, no, let's like, let me prove to you that I'm not by being together, but bad, you know? And, and so, yeah. And then and more feeling like a guy was like, you're untrustworthy. And I was like, what? what? Like, I'm not honest, like real person. How can you say that? And then it's like, you have to realize like, you know, it's not on us to change somebody else's perspective of us. It really isn't. All we can do is just keep showing up as our genuine, true, authentic self. And then if someone accepts it, they don't because you're going to waste a lot of your time, energy, and effort. You're really going to deplete yourself trying to prove someone otherwise. So the day I meet someone who accepts me for who I am, all work in progress as it is, and, you know, can support me and doesn't get jealous or insecure and, and can trust me, then, yeah, that, that'll be my life partner. I've yet to meet that person yet, but that's, that's my advice for anyone out there. I love the hopeless romantic because that's true that it, it's, like uh, you want all those things, but you also are not going to be willing to accommodate or to suppress yourself in yes. order to get those things. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I, I can parallel all of the things you said for sure. Yeah. All right, girl. So last question, if people have laughed or had fun during this episode, thought that you were an amazing person like I do, where can people find you and what might they want to connect to you about? And what are you what do you need from people to support you? So let you ask. Great question. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually, I've actually already, I've packaged two pieces of video content of mine um, that I'm going to be selling as my first digital products when I launch my online business, which will be happening very soon and shortly. Please go to my website, laughwithjocelyn.com. Sign up for my email mailing list so you'll be the first to know when that's happening and when's it going on. And just follow me on social media on any platform. I'm, pr I'm very accessible. I'm very approachable. And like I said, I'm on all of them. Um, Twitter mostly uh, and uh, Clubhouse. I'm Funny Jocelyn on there. And then on Instagram, I'm Laugh with Jocelyn too. And yeah, um, 
Yeah, that's about it. I don't know. Like, I, I'm so early. I'm so early. It's so new that I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. You know, so like, yeah, if you and I tell people like and that's how I grow my social currency organic. I tell you, please follow me if you find me generally entertaining and funny. You know, if you don't, then don't, you know, because that's how I know. <laughs> yeah. And then when you're on your 52 week world tour of the United States tour, people yes. can then follow you and go to your shows. <laughs> right. And, and that's my thing. I want to. As much as like I'm online, you know, you social currency, at the end of the day, I want to meet you in real life. I want to be with people out in real life. I want to be IRL. My, one of my things I say is like free hugs, you know, I'll have a pretty hugging book, you know, because again, like that's what people need. They, they want, they crave that genuine, sincere human connection. And I can't fake anything. The biggest thing about me at one point was my eyelashes, you know, that's it. So it's like, if you want real, genuine, sincere, people or person that's me so absolutely well i'm gonna pick up on my hug when i go home next time i'm gonna be i'm gonna call you from whittier and like hey let's meet up and get that hug on and get her at the end of me yet i love their coffee it's so good it's so, so good. good shout out to lepido owned brands and i appreciate your time i appreciate the laughs i have had just a, yeah no i've had a blast in this episode and i think that people will just definitely resonate with all the things that you shared so thank you for being here thank you for being part of our collective and for just being you and being able to be unapologetically an amazing person so take care right, thank you. It's good you. To see thank you. you. yeah thanks everyone thanks everyone for being here for this episode it's been great to have jocelyn and we will be back with another episode of the social impact level up podcast Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Social Impact Level Up podcast. It's been awesome to interview today's guests, and I hope that you leave inspired to take action. If you're looking for any of the information we spoke about, it's probably down in the show notes. Make sure that you're checking them out and you're clicking on any of the links that seem exciting to you. If you are looking for a coach or a consultant to help you with your social impact or your sustainability, reach out to me via my website, hop on my email list, or jump into one of my programs. All of the links are below. So excited to have you as part of the collective. Make sure that you come back and join us for another episode next week. Thank you.